never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. And welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Over the next few years, we'll be going over the 72 films that were on the DPP's Video Nasties list in the early 80s. But before we start and go take it film by film, I think it's best possibly to set the scene. So sit back and imagine you're in a dirty little video shop in early 1980s, probably just round the corner from your house, confronted by a wide selection of films on offer. It rests on 13 acres of earth over the very center of hell. is the first motion picture to offer to the daring a look into the final maddening space between life and death. The last house on the left. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Sights and sounds far beyond anything you've tested. Last house on the left. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Take as only much as you can. Only a movie. Imagine a row of small boxes. Each one of them with a garish image, promising sights and experiences you've never had before. Each one considered so dangerous that they could damage your mind and corrupt your will. But what things each one promised. Not just forbidden fruit, but images of rape, murder, sex, drugs and violence. Not all of them just fiction either, but supposedly real footage of actual events. Would you take a look? Just a peek, see what the fuss was about. I mean, it's only natural, isn't it? Would you Would you like to see a dead body? Okay, listen, I did. I saw it all. Do you? There's nothing comparable at this point in British film history to what was on offer. Certainly not in the cinemas, which were censored. Nor in books, which could not carry such illicit frills so visually. And this was well before the internet, and a time when pornography had lots of black dots covering the hardcore elements. These films were on the front line of shock. Are you a horror fan? Step this way, sir. We've got gore from Italy, Spain and America. Do you like sex? Maybe this is more to your taste. Something a little harder than you're used to. Perhaps you just want to see something you've never seen before. Did I mention you could see a dead body? Now, come this way. The grindhouse of cinemas of the US are now opening your home, 
sights and sounds from around the world you've never experienced before. In the early 80s, the video industry in the UK boomed, more so than anywhere else in the world. Part of the reason for that was the unique combination of there being no censorship in the UK for videos combined with a lack of mainstream titles as film companies still saw video as something that taking money away from the cinema. This led to a booming garage industry of small video publishers that were able to pump out low budget releases to a public eager to sample new films and see items they had never seen before. Before the video nasty scare, the reality was Evil Dead was the top selling film of the year, able to shift 50,000 units at £50 a time in 1981. I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. your girlfriend, you take care of her. consumer video cassette recorders were launched in 1971. Philips entered the market in 72, Sony launched Betamax in 75 and JVC launched VHS in 1976. That was the moment that the format war begun and before the start of the videotape boom in the UK, this was what really, when it really started to take off, 1981. There was a reason for this as well. The trend of being able to rent TVs and video players at the time. The machines themselves were very expensive, but companies like Radio Rentals made it easier for them to be in the home. Videos, actual VHS themselves, were also dear, at £50 a pop, so people paid to join video clubs, large ones in London, amazingly, themselves able to charge £50 simply to join. As mentioned now, there was no specific law for regulation, so this large outlay meant that the films on offer just were not the type that you would be able to see anywhere else. The only law prohibiting their sale was the Obscene Publications Act, but nobody got arrested for that except for hardcore pornography at the time, 
So there was an assumption that there would be no issue. The Essene Publication Act states that something tends to deprave and corrupt peoples who are likely, having regard to all relevant circumstances, to read, see or hear the matter contained or embedded in it. Surely there would be no issue with a silly low-budget film like Zombie Flesh Eaters or Driller Killer. I mean, that couldn't be obscene. Would it tend to deprave or corrupt? Is that possibility really likely? In early 1982, the growth of low-budget horror, mainly generated by some very small publishing houses, although there were some big players too, began to be brought to the public attention. Horror label Vipco took out a full-page advert about their latest release in some video magazines. It was a reasonably gory art house horror from a young director called Abel Ferrara. Driller Killer. The image they used to highlight the film is the most notorious moments when a power drill connects to a man's head and blood gushes from the wound. What we had was a small-scale industry using the old tricks of grindhouse cinemas and the carnies of America. There were promises of the most depraved sights you have ever seen. Films bought without being seen by the publishers and the distributors were bought on promises of illicit thrills. Film titles to change to try and get new audiences for movies that in the past hadn't sold all with promises that the films could never really live up to. In the most extreme cases, a film like Snuff alluded to the chance to see a real murder, one which, of course, was nothing more than actors struggling to contain their glee of tearing apart a plastic body. It was videotape being sold like Barnum Circus, offering the world to get punters through the doors, it's no different than suggesting you're able to see a tattooed man or a bearded lady. Shock and horror was their stock in trade. Indeed, in truth, it still is for many of a gore film now. Complaints about the Driller Killer advert went into the Advertising Standards Authority. The result, though, made the video industry look like a reckless one. Then Go Video, in their wisdom... Uh, wrote an anonymous letter to moral standards campaigner Mary Whitehouse, who had heard, who he heard, sorry, at the intro of this podcast, saying she'd never seen a video nasty before, before um, and indeed had no need to, to know the horrors within. The letter complained about Go Video's latest film, Cannibal Holocaust. 
their idea was to gain some publicity, which they got, but they also set into motion the public panic which crippled the industry and led to 15 years of strict censorship in the UK for home video. See, the idea originally was probably to be more like... Uh, well, Alice Cooper always tells a story that he used to send flowers to Mary Whitehouse, uh, the moral campaigner, because what she would do is bring attention to his act and give it notoriety, which is the kind of thing that he needed to be able to sell the Alice Cooper show. Something like that is a, a quote from her describing it as filth or terrifying or horrifying or deplorable would be enough for Go Video even to be able to put it on the front of their cover of the video itself or on the posters. At the very least, they could drum up some kind of advert, advert or uh, article in one of the newspapers. The problem was, however, that Mary Whitehouse managed to gain traction and the concept of video nasties in actual fact captured the imagination of the public and led to very strict regulation. Video nasty was originally coined as a phrase in the Sunday Times with an article in the May of 82 called How High Street Horror is Invading the Home. Mary Whitehouse adopted that phrase and the Daily Mail keenly latched onto the campaign and articles trawled through the salacious details of these movies for pages, all for the readers to feel more morally outraged and, of course, buy more newspapers. They were added to by other, other papers as well as it became an easy story to sell. This is where the campaigners' core arguments come into play for how video nasties are actually damaging. Their argument quickly shifted from attributing damage to adults to damage to children. The publicity heightened the interest of young minds, unsurprisingly. What about stuff like zombie flesh yeah, and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, they're, they're stupid. They're not realistic, <laughs> are they? My mum don't really let me, but I watch them when she's not in. I prefer horror films. Why is that? Because they're more scarier, yeah. more threatening and more blood. And at this stage, some rather extreme reports came out. The Video Violence and Children Report from the Parliamentary Group Video Inquiry, which, I feel I must point out, is a group which actually has not, isn't actually a parliamentary group, has no official status. Anyway, a report published by the committee stating that 45% of 7-16 to 16 year old children were watching these video nasties. Although, it's worth pointing out as well, there were only 47 respondents to the questionnaire. Possibly more alarming was what was happening on the streets. If the Director of Public Prosecutions believed the film could be prosecuted, then it could go to court under obscenity. Greater Manchester police were known to raid places frequently and seize potentially obscene material. In their haste, mistakes were made, especially hilariously, Dolly Parton's PG-rated The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas was seized, and police officers were paid overtime to watch this stock. In the furore and in the lack of uh, proper guidelines, 
it became a bit of confusion. There was no consistency in terms of what was illegal in various police places and what could be seized. And not only that, films, for example, like Toby Hooper's Funhouse entered onto the list because a copy of Last House on Dead End Street had the same title. Uh, whereas that film avoided censure. Funhouse, a film that today has a 15 certificate, was taken off the shelves, seized, and indeed many films were burnt. Distributor David Hamilton Grant was arrested for distributing the video release of Romano Scavalli's Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. It was a version of the film that only ran a few seconds longer than the BBFC had proved cooked. Human rights lawyer Jeffrey Robertson represented Grant, brought in respected film critic Derek Malcolm to assess the merits. But the judge was unsympathetic and Grant got 18 months in prison. Nick Powell of Palace Pictures was a luckier person. He uh, decided to challenge the ruling on the evil dead, which had did have an X rating uh, for its theatrical showings from the BBFC. But uh, he won this time. And uh, the film was released a bit in an edited version. The Video Retailer Association panicked while this was happening, and probably rightly so, as it wasn't clear what was going on and what was legal and what was not. They asked their members, they said they asked the police and said that they, their members needed to know which films were considered obscene. The Video Nasties list was born. In total 72 films, the films this podcast will discuss were all on the list. 39 were actually prosecuted and the rest dropped off. Don't worry, I'll tell you which films were obscene. These are the video nasties. The term was used for any film that was gory at the time in the press, but we're not looking at those. Just the band, just the illicit. The video nasties entered into folklore and became a lot more than just a load of European and American horror films with a heavy slanting towards slashes. It's that reason that I'm here now, 30 years on discussing them. This podcast though, despite this initial introduction, is not an examination of the politics of the time. If you want to learn more about the early 80s and a critique of how such rigorous censorship could come into play, then I recommend Jake West's documentary, Video Nasties, Moral Panic, Censorship and Videotape. And Kate Egan's book, Trash or Treasure and the Changing Meanings of the Video Nasties. This podcast, instead, is to examine the films themselves, to tell their story, why these films were made, the tales behind them, and to better understand what makes the nasties what they are. Not all of them were that nasty, nor were all of them great pieces of cinema. But due to the furore, they deserve some respect, a respect we will give them. At their core, to be a nasty, they must be successful in their tent to some extent, to shock or horrify. And there's a story behind the making of anybody that would want to make such a film, the reasons behind their decisions, the reasons why, for example, Cannibal Holocaust 
has animal cruelty. And perhaps more interestingly, the reason why a film like Love Camp 7 would exist in the first place. After all, these are films that led to a private members bill from Graham Bright MP, which led to the Video Recordings Act 1984. A piece of legislation rushed and had to be amended in 2009 to actually make it legally binding. Graham Bright was a strong backer of censorship and his passion led to some classic statements which are still mocked from some to this day. He was a man that equated the damage the nasties do with the fact that they could possibly even harm dogs. If anyone can stand up and defend the sort of horrific scenes that I have had to see and other members of Parliament have had to see, I believe they're living in a different world to that world that I live in. I believe that uh, research is taking place and it will show that these films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. It goes far too far. Talking of dogs, it led this legislation to straw dogs being banned on video in the UK and for that matter, The Exorcist. And it was only in the late 80s that the rules on video were relaxed. The idea was at the time that being in the home home made these films more damaging and as such had to be removed from the home video marketplace. The BBFC, which before the legislation was called the British Board of Film Censors, changed to be called the British Board of Film Classification. These were now in charge of the censorship of video and informed that they had to protect us from what was damaging and indeed these black boxes and the delights or terrors they contained was more damaging than possibly how you would feel if you saw something similar in the cinema. I suppose the question now is, could this happen again? Could we get a moral panic great enough to create more extreme moral guardians? I would venture that the timing's right. We are with an extremely conservative government in a country which has been at war for years and damaged by recession, much like the early 80s. Such a climate can give people the wish to feel that they can try and protect us, possibly from ourselves. Civil unrest, rioting perhaps, can happen. And these can be blamed on easy options and and, and easier solutions can be put out. Video nasties can create killers. Home video or entertainment can create violence. Rather than possibly more serious and harder to fix socio-economic issues. Recently the BBFC carried out a consultation. Which showed a heavy dislike from the public for sexualised violence. Now this was published in the winter of 2012. It gives them a renewed mandate to cut films if they wish, particularly for extreme sadistic or sexual violence. The fact that the interviews only included 35 people seems irrelevant, and considering some of the films that we're going to discuss, such a a survey and a report is still important to this day and will, in fact, mean that possibly some of these video nasties will still not be able to be released uncut in this country. And let us not forget that movies are still being banned. Recently, The Bunny Game. 
the latest horror to face a banning. Japanese film Grotesque was banned outright in 2009. There seems to be about one a year that faces such sanctions, but also films can be heavily cut, the Serbian film for example being cut by over four minutes. In this country the human centipede too was banned and then passed with reasonably substantial cuts, but is currently available to buy in an uncut form online legally in this country. There are no test cases for streaming subscription channels and companies such as Netflix. They have to they do don't have to submit their movies to the same rigorous tests as DVD or Blu-ray. There is a regulation though with an online watchdog, the ATVOD. But you can upload anything to YouTube and it would be exempt from their own from their own rules. A company wanting to set up and provide uncut horror films on subscription to this country could try, could try and avoid sanctions from the regulator or governments by setting up abroad. Considering the stream content that is available online from streaming pornography sites, I wonder if we could face more sanctions from the government pushing uh, internet service providers to ban sites which they see as providing dubious content. Interestingly as well, Back in the early 80s, sex shops actually tried to distance themselves from video nasties, stating that what they were showing wasn't violence and was therefore preferable to the the horror on display, even if that horror was in actual fact merely prosthetics recorded on 16mm. We live in a world where evil dead streams are cut, or perhaps more powerfully for the censors, somebody is able to upload I Spit on Your Grave to YouTube in the hope nobody complains. This is a film, after all, that is still cut for its sexual violence to this day in this country. Perhaps it is here we need to look next to find out what the future holds. But for now we have the nostalgia of the grotty videotape. The nasties are all here to shock and appall us. Do you feel depraved and corrupted yet? Perhaps you will by the end of this. Horror films might well be more violent now than they were then. But that doesn't mean I haven't got a couple of tricks up my sleeve. I've got a couple of films that might still do the job. Welcome to the Grindhouse. All the shocks and horrors of your local flea pit cinema are here for you to enjoy. Grab a chair. Get your dog out the room. Keep these videos well out the reach of children. I've got something to show you. Listen. Come here. Shh. Do you want to see a dead body? Warning. You are about to see scenes of a film said to be the most controversial in the history of motion pictures. The movie they said could never be shown. In fact, you have read the headlines across the newspapers of this country and the world, and you have heard the news. This is the movie that could only have been made in South America, where life is cheap. It will shock you and astound you. It is not meant for weak hearts or weak stomachs. Because of the highly controversial and violent nature of this movie, we are only able to show you some selected, edited scenes at this time. But the complete, unexpurgated, unedited, uncensored version will be coming soon to this theater. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, the bloodiest thing that ever happened in front of a camera. Snuff. Right, well, hopefully you're feeling slightly more nostalgic anyway. Um, if you want to get hold of me, please do. Uh, my email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. The website is up, although it is currently um, quite basic and quite barren, I think it's fair to say. Uh, obviously, it will grow as I continue to do more work and I can put more podcasts on, more videos, and hopefully a couple of articles. Anyway, the website address is www.videonastiespodcast.com. If you want to leave a message on, on the comment section there, that would be great. Feedback would be wonderful. Um, I suppose in that case, I need to tell you what our first film proper is. We're going to cover Asper from August, uh, The Beast, uh, also known as The Grim Reaper. Um, it's currently not available uncut in this country. Uh, if you see a video version called The Grim Reaper, I would recommend you swear buying it because it's very heavily edited. Uh, try and get the uncut version if you can. Uh, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find it online somewhere. Uh, so if you want to speak to me about that, that'd be great. Any feedback as well, very welcome. We're going to try and run one week to one every two weeks, um, depending. Uh, so if I don't do, if if one doesn't pop up next week, I'm sorry. We are going to try and try and get as many done as we can and keep it regular. But there might be a couple of breaks. So until next week, take care, and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on video? Oh, you never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.